This is the Sunday morning message broadcast from Church of God Holiness in El Dorado Springs.
He has been faithful. Praise His dear name. He has been so faithful to us. Open your Bibles, please, to the book of 2 Kings in the Old Testament. Chapter 6, we'll be looking at uh, the first several verses throughout the course of our study today. And just a reminder, this is the fourth message in our series entitled Crazy Faith. And and this is a study of a man named Elisha who had crazy faith and God was able to use him in such an amazing way. Now, just a quick review as we look at the prophet Elisha. Uh, just a, as a reminder, week one, we burned plows. Week two, we dug ditches. Week three, we gathered jars. Today, we're going to look at one of the strangest miracles that Elisha performed, and we're going to look for an axe. Now, before we get started, just uh, kind of some transparency. I wonder how many of you are like me, and you often have to look for things that you've misplaced. Anybody? Uh, Anybody here ever misplaced their keys? How about uh, their cell phone? Anybody lose their cell phone? Anybody lose their cell phone this week uh, just creates a moment of panic. Uh, And and then to top one of the, the, I mean, the dumbest things that you've ever heard of a couple of weeks ago, somebody in this church lost their wallet and they looked high and low. They went upstairs in their house, downstairs. It was nowhere to be found until they checked their pocket And it was exactly where it was supposed to be, right where the person had left it in their pocket. Any idea who did that? Your pastor. Would you please encourage me and and raise your hand and say that you've done something dumb like that before? Would you please? Thank you very much. I feel, feel good being in the presence of friends that are so transparent. Well, our lesson today focuses not on losing your wallet not on losing your keys or your cell phone, but rather it talks about losing an axe head. And with your permission, or as I, as I told the early morning prayer group, I, I guess without your permission even, we're, we're going to bend the context of our scripture. I'm sorry, Pastor Beckham, uh, I know you never did do that. Uh, but we're going to bend the context just a little bit, but I assure you it will not do any harm to the integrity of scripture. But Today we want to talk about losing our spiritual edge. Let's set the stage for our lesson. When Elisha first came on the scene in 1 Kings, he spent the first part of his ministry being mentored by Elijah. He basically followed Elijah around everywhere and served as his assistant. And, and Elijah, the, the older prophet, took time to disciple and mentor young Elisha. Now, what is so cool about this is that in our lesson, we see that Elisha is now doing the same thing with young prophets. He's raising up the next generation of leaders. And I can't emphasize that enough. It seems that we as a church, and and when I say we as a church, yes, this local church, but pretty much every church here in in America, it, it seems that we have gotten away, that we have lost the concept of discipleship and mentoring. Pretty much what we do is we get people saved and we leave them on the delivery table and say, grow up. God bless you. 
And as Dick said, here's a Bible, I hope to see you in heaven. That, that's pretty much our discipleship. We give them a Bible. And, and we don't take the effort to disciple new converts beyond the baby stage or the surface Christianity stage. And the result is that most of us as Christians never grow very deep in our walk with God. And I pray that God would raise up a few good men and, and a few good women, some of you here today, that would not just be good and godly people like you are, but that you would take seriously the responsibility of, uh, of bringing one or two people alongside of yourselves in a relationship where you can mentor them and raise up leaders for the future. Some of you have so much to offer. Don't keep it to yourself. Help raise up a new generation of leaders. But anyway, Elisha is now mentoring the next generation of young prophets. And, and, and he's doing it in two ways. And it's so amazing here. First of all, there appears to be the formal side where there's classroom training. Elisha had started what would probably be the, be the equivalent of a Bible college. But Elisha also knew that, that the classroom training wasn't enough. And, and there needed to be the practical side of training. And, and Elisha was doing that as well. And God was blessing Elisha's efforts. Uh, that the college was growing. In fact, what leads us to today's miracle that we will study was the fact that they had outgrown the space. They had outgrown the building where they were meeting for class. So that's kind of the background. Let's pick up our lesson. Second Kings chapter 6. Verse 1, the company of the prophets said to Elisha, Look, the place where we meet with you is too small for us. So they'd outgrown the building. There was the classroom training. Verse 2, let us go to the Jordan where each of us can get a pole and let us build a place there for us to live. And, and, and he said, go. And then one of them said, won't you please come with your servants? In other words, Elisha, we, we want you to be with us. And Elisha replied, I will. So right there is the practical side. Elisha didn't just say, you know, go do this and, uh, you know, God bless you. I'll stay inside where it's cool. He didn't feel he was too good to get involved in manual labor. Verse 4 says, and he went with them. Now here comes the action. Don't you dare miss it. They went to the Jordan and began to cut down trees. As one of them was cutting down a tree, the iron axe head fell into the water. Now notice uh, when this happened, the axe head goes flying off. When this happened, the young prophet did not say a bad word. You know, understand. He, he did not say, oh my God. Um... This, this is a little bit off point here, but I wish that we as followers of Jesus Christ would be a bit more careful in the way that we express frustration or surprise. You know, I can understand when, when people first come to Christ, uh, you know, sometimes it takes a reprogramming and, and the habits are there and, and God's very understanding of that. But as we grow in grace and as we grow in the Lord, I believe that Christ will change our speech. Old things pass away. So, so what did the prophet say when the axe head flew into the water? And, and this may initially seem uh, contradictory to what I just said, but here's what he said. Oh, my Lord. 
But I want to point out that the Lord is not capitalized. And, and so he was not using the Lord's name in vain. Like a lot of us, you know, something happens. We say, oh, my Lord, oh, my God, or Jesus Christ. And he, he was not doing that because during this time, Lord was used as a term of respect. And he was, he was saying basically, oh, sir. Sir, he's not using the Lord's name in vain. Understand that. He was basically saying, sir, to Elisha. And he, he said, oh, my Lord. And he cried out, it was borrowed. The, the axe was borrowed. Verse 6, the man of God asked, where did it fall? When he showed him the place, Elisha cut a stick and threw it there and made the iron float. Dale Elliott, wouldn't that have been so awesome to see that miracle, see that iron float lifted out, he said. Then the man reached out his hand and took it. Can, can we just pray again? Lord, I don't want to go about this in my flesh or in my own strength. God, I've prayed. Even on the mountain, I was praying this week for passion and anointing and I've also been praying that you would just open our hearts today. God, that this lesson would just be what we need. For some, it may be encouragement. For others, it may be kind of a kick in the seat of the pants. But Father, I just pray that you would just take this amazing miracle that you performed through Elisha and that you would use it to help us in our walk with you. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, as we get into our lesson you need to understand that at this time in history, iron was very expensive and hard to come by. And we assume that this young prophet studying under Elisha would have been kind of like a poor college student, living on student loans, eating ramen noodles and mac and cheese every other meal. And some of you know what I'm talking about. You were there or you're there right now. Uh, someone called him a non-profit prophet, if, if you know what I mean there. But anyway, this student probably didn't have a lot of money right now. And so when they decided to go out and, and cut down some trees to, to have logs to build a new building, a bigger building for their classes, he had to borrow an axe. And while he's cutting down trees with that borrowed axe, all of a sudden, to his horror, the axe head goes flying off the handle, disappears into a body of water. And that was obviously deep enough, or maybe it was muddy enough, to where it was gone forever. They, they knew that he knew that he would probably never be able to find that. And uh, really today, most of us can't imagine how distressed this young preacher would have been. Because if that would have happened to us, what would we have done? We'd have gone to Producers or Sutherland's or Lowe's and just bought another axe head for 20 bucks and, and given it back to the owner. No big deal. But this young Bible school student obviously could not do that. And so when the axe head went flying into the water, it threw him into a panic. And, and he cried out in, in frustration to Elisha and, and said, My Lord, sir, the worst thing that could possibly happen did happen to me. I've lost the axe head that I borrowed. Elisha, what do I do? What do I do? Well, Elisha had compassion on this distraught young man. And, and he did something so strange. We read it. But he cut a stick threw it into the water, and that heavy iron axe head came floating to the top. 
Now, as kind of an introductory side point here, I believe that this story clearly shows that our big God that created the heavens and the earth actually cares about the little details in our lives. Are you aware of that? (laughs) Which means that no matter what you're going through, if, if you have a headache, God cares. When you students have a chemistry test, God cares. If your car won't start, God cares. If you can't find your wallet, even though it's in the pocket of your pants you're wearing, God cares. He may be doubled over laughing, but He cares. And in this story, when when that axe head flew off the handle and... Well, that just caused that young Bible college student to panic. But this story shows that God cared. Now, during this series, we've been giving one statement that summarizes each lesson. And and we come back to this statement several times throughout the course of our study. But but here's our summary statement for the day. God knows how to to help you find what you didn't mean to lose. Let Let me say that again. God knows how to help you find what you didn't mean to lose. And what that means is that God is in the business of restoration. And as we look at at restoring our spiritual edge, God is totally into restoration. If you've lost your spiritual passion, God is in the business of restoration. If you've lost that intimacy with God, He's in the business of restoration. God is able to help you find what you didn't mean to lose. Now, for this lesson to have any impact on us at all, there, there's a question that requires honesty on our, our, our part. And actually, there are two questions because there's a, there's a follow-up question. And, and unless we answer these two questions honestly, then this lesson will be of no benefit. So here are the questions. Number one, have you lost your spiritual edge? Let me just call, call a time out here. And I'm going to pause about five or ten seconds. Silence. And I want you to consider this question. Have you lost your spiritual edge? All right, here's the follow-up question. If so, how did you lose your spiritual edge? Now, I know there are some of you here today, the answer for you is that you have not lost your spiritual edge. In fact, it's sharper than it's ever been, and I thank God for you, and I celebrate with you. You keep doing what you're doing, and you keep that spiritual passion high. But I have a sense that for many of us, if we were totally honest, we would have to admit that there was a time in our lives when we were more into the things of God than we are today. You know, for some of you, there was a time when you had a passion for prayer and you would get up early and you would pray and you would pray on and off throughout the day. You would pray for a lot of people, a lot of situations. But now, quite honestly, you might pray over a meal every now and then when somebody's watching or you might pray about the big things. But the truth is you haven't prayed in a significant way for a very long time. You know, it's the same way with God's Word. For, for some of you, there might have been a time when you couldn't put God's Word down and it was sweet, it was precious, it was alive, it, 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 it was vibrant. You wanted to read it, you wanted to study it, and you didn't want to do anything else. But over time, that passion has left you. And you might read the little devotional that the church provides, or you might read a chapter a day to keep the devil away, just so you can kind of check that off of your to-do list. But there's not a love or a passion 
for God's living, inspired, holy, inerrant, infallible word. For others of you, and even though I want to be clear that Christianity is not about doing, it's not about following a list of do's and don'ts, but but I found that many times when we lose our spiritual edge, we quit serving others. You know, when you have a passion for God, the natural outflow is to want to serve in the church and you want to use your gifts and talents to bless others. And and some of you might have to recognize, I, I pray that God would just drive this into the depths of our heart. But for some of you, you recognize there was a time when you served in your church and you had the thrill of being used by God. And yes, sometimes it was hard. Sometimes it was discouraging. But you remember how fulfilled you were when God used you. But then you got busy and you stopped. And you thought you'd get back to it, but you never did. And now the excuse is, well, we're gone so much on weekends. And, you know, I don't want to be tied down. And, you know, the weekend has all has become all about you. You know, others of you at one point in your life, maybe you love to share your faith. And you couldn't keep quiet, but... But something happened along the way and now you can't even remember the last time you had a spiritual conversation with someone that's not a follower of Jesus. Or some of you, you might be honest and notice that your standards have eroded. You used to have strong Christian values and you thought, hey, I'm not going to do that because that's not pleasing to God and, and that's not helpful to me. But then something happened. And before long, you started cutting some corners and taking some shortcuts and doing some things that you shouldn't do. Now, if you notice, I've been saying you. But the reality is that this can happen to any one of us. It's we. I'm not exempt from this either. We have a spiritual enemy. His name is Satan. And his mission is to steal, kill, and destroy everything that is dear to the heart of God. You know, last week I told you that I was headed to the medical field. But then God called me into ministry and... And frankly, I loved it. And even though I was shy and backward and scared to death to speak in front of people, yet I loved doing what God had called me to do. But after a little while, even though my dad was in ministry basically all of his adult life, I I didn't fully realize that my calling would take me into a very difficult and many times thankless job that subjected me to immense criticism and, and frankly, it beat the life out of me. I found myself losing my spiritual edge. And one of the men that I respect so much, Bill Hybels, who pastors Willow Creek Community Church near Chicago, and, and I've heard him speak at different times, but he once opened his heart to a group of leaders and, and he said this, and, and, and the statement just resonates within me. He said, the way I was doing the work of God destroyed the work of God in me. And there have been a few times when that's happened in my life and and I'm sorry if that disappoints you. Uh, but on occasion, I've realized that I've, as I've gone up before this church to pray on a Sunday morning, I, I realized that I hadn't prayed very much personally all week. And as your pastor, I'm sorry for that. We have our annual business meeting next week. And so if you want to vote me out, then I understand and I don't blame you. But the reason I'm sharing this with you is just to let you know that it's we. It's not you. It's we. It's easy for all of us, regardless of our age, regardless of our profession, regardless of how long we've been serving Christ, it's easy for us to lose our spiritual edge. And if I'm not careful, my Bible reading, I'll tell you what it becomes. It becomes a search for sermon ideas rather than a time of being fed by the living word. 
and just continuing to open my heart in transparency. There have been times when I've been jolted into reality that even though I'm a full-time pastor and I, I take seriously the job of trying to lead this church and I get here early every morning and and, and I'm not bragging, but I'm just telling you, I, I, I take it seriously and it's rare the week that I spend less than 50 hours in ministry, but but, but here's what I'm getting at. There have been those times when I've come to the realization that, that even though I'm a full-time pastor, yet I have become a part-time follower of Jesus Christ. And I wonder if the reason, I don't know if you've noticed, it's quiet here, and I wonder if the reason it's quiet is because many of you can relate. Maybe you've become a full-time parent, but a part-time follower of Christ. Or you've become a full-time business person, but a part-time follower of Christ. Or you've become a full-time student and a part-time follower of Christ. You didn't mean, mean to lose your edge, but you did. You didn't mean to fall back into the old patterns and, and become addicted again, but you did. You didn't mean to drift away from the love and intimacy you had with God and, and, and wake up hollow and empty on the inside, but you did. You didn't mean to allow your standards to be watered down, but you did. You didn't mean to relax your prayer life and your Bible study, but you did. You didn't mean to pursue the emptiness of material possessions, but you did. You didn't mean to become a part-time follower of Christ, but you did. You lost your spiritual edge. So for the remaining time together, I want to talk about how to get our spiritual edge back. How do we get our passion and our love back for God? There are two things that I want to mention. Just very, very basic. It's not going to wow anybody, but I think they will help us if we've lost our edge. The first one is we need to be honest about where we lost it. You know, we read in, in verse 6 that Elisha asked the young prophet, where did the axe head fall? In other words, you know, the axe head didn't just disappear into thin air. It went someplace and... It went flying off the handle and, and landed someplace. There was a specific place where the young prophet lost the axe head. And when it comes to regaining our spiritual edge, we need to be honest and admit where we lost it. And, and you're all smart people here this morning and and if you look back, you could probably know where you lost it. You could say, well, I remember when I, I took that wrong turn. Maybe I started hanging with some friends that were the wrong friends. And I know we're supposed to be salt and light and, and be with those that are not living Christian lives. But instead of influencing them, maybe they influence, influenced us. Or, or maybe for some of you young people, the wrong turn was when you started dating the wrong guy or the wrong gal. Or maybe for you it was where you got off track was you dropped the discipline. You used to pray and even when you didn't feel like it, but, but you stopped. And you used to be devoted to searching for God in His Word, but you stopped. Or, or maybe for some of you, and this may get a little bit close, you used to be a tither. But then you kind of got behind, and so you just stopped. And again, Christianity is not about a list of things you've got to do. Don't, don't, don't take that from this lesson. But when we love God with a passion, then the fruit will be there. The fruit will be evident. Maybe some of you here, you used to be involved in a life group or, or, or Sunday school class. Or maybe you used to lead one and, and you came together with other Christians to where they would speak into your life and you would speak into their lives. And oh, it's such a blessing, but, but you stopped. 
Some of you, perhaps you thought your secret wasn't going to hurt anyone. But you didn't realize it wasn't really a secret because, number one, God knew. And number two, you're in Cedar County and so everybody knows your business. Some of you, maybe you got hurt by somebody in the church. Maybe you thought the pastor ignored you or you were offended by his blunt ways. Maybe it wasn't the pastor. Maybe it was a friend. And you became, hey, you became like this. Hey, hey, if people in the church are going to treat me that way, forget it. And you allowed your heart to grow cold. The first thing that you need to do is to be honest about where you lost your spiritual edge. The second thing that I believe that this text would teach us is that with God's help, we can take back what we lost. That's the good news. You know, verses 6 and 7 talked about that. When the young prophet pointed to the area where the axe head fell in the water, Elisha cut a stick and threw it there. And and would you believe that heavy piece of iron came floating to the top? and, And Elisha then said, lift it out. And that young man reached out his hand, lifted the axe head out of the water. And this is so key. Remember a couple of weeks ago, we studied where Elisha said to dig some ditches and we said that only God can send the water, but sometimes he wants you to dig the ditch. And then last week we studied where Elisha asked the lady and her two sons to gather a bunch of empty jars. And we said that only God can multiply the oil, but sometimes he asks us to gather the jars. And for today, the lesson is that, <clears throat> that only God can make the axe head float, but he did ask the young prophet to lift it out of the water. Now, God, God could have had that axe head come flying onto dry ground. That would have been so amazing, Dick. <laughs> Man. But instead, he made it float. And then he wanted the young prophet to lift it out of the water. And, and I believe the significance here is that God does not want us to be lazy Christians and just sit around and hope and pray that everything will fall into our lap. Yes, we need to pray. We need to be on our knees. But then there comes to a, a point where we need to jump to our feet in action. We need to obey the Lord. And let me just insert something here. As, you know, as I was studying and praying about this message, and I've just been kind of marinating in this message for a couple of weeks, it, It occurred to me that many times those who have lost their spiritual edge think, yeah, I need to get my edge back and I need to change some things in my life. But but a voice, you know, in the back of our head says, oh, no, oh, no, no, you you, you can't do that. It's, It's been too long. You've gone too far. You've done too much. You can never have it back. Well, as the evangelists say on television, I came here to tell somebody that with God, it's not too late to be the person that you could have been. And. And that might have not been a home run, but that was a solid single. I think it deserves a few more amens, you know. With, with God, it's not too late to be the person that you could have been. And I believe that God has already put it in your reach, and, and you just need to lift it out, and you need to grab it back. You need to get the edge back, the spiritual intimacy back in your life. And here's the way to do that. You do what you can do. And trust God to do what you cannot do. Can you make an axe head float? Nope. But can you lift it out when God brings it within reach? Yep. Can you create in your own spirit a spiritual passion and faith? Nope. But faith comes by hearing and hearing from the Word of God. So you can put yourself in a place where you read, study, hear God's Word, and God will begin to build your faith. 
And that means that you will pray even when you don't feel like it. And that means that you will worship even when you don't feel like it. And that means that you will share your faith even when you don't feel like it. And I've saved the best news for last. If you've lost your spiritual edge, but you seek God with all of your heart, you will not be disappointed. In First Chronicles 28, 9 says, For the Lord searches all hearts and understands all the intent of the thoughts. And here it is. If you seek Him, He will be found by you. Did you hear that? If you seek Him, He will be found by you. I love what Revelation 2, 4, and 5 says. Jesus was speaking to the church of God holiness. Did, did you catch that? <laughs> That's right. The letters to the seven churches in Asia Minor, the modern day of uh, modern day country of Turkey, they were literal churches, um, but they were also representative of all the churches down through the ages. So, so Jesus in Revelation 2, 4, and 5 was speaking to the church of God holiness. He said, yet I hold this against you. You've forsaken your first love. And listen to it from the Message Bible. <laughs> It says, but you walked away from your first love. Why? What's going on with you anyway? Do you have any idea how far you've fallen? A Lucifer fall. That's what the message says. And then listen to verse 5. Remember the height from which you've fallen. Repent and do the things you did at first. Or again, the message says, turn back. Recover your dear early love. No time to waste. In other words, hurry. Turn from your sin. Turn from your apathy. Turn away from your complacency. Repent. And, and do what? It says, do the things you did at first. In other words, if you want what you once had, you've got to do what you once did. Let me tell you what I've found uh, helps me when, when I catch, when I realize that I'm losing my spiritual edge and passion. And by the way, do you know where I tend to lose that passion? While serving in church. Because that causes me to be lulled into a place where I think that God is number one in my life simply because, hey, I'm doing all these things for God. You know, I'm preaching, I'm teaching, I'm doing funerals, I'm doing weddings, I'm counseling, I'm helping all of these people, I'm busy for the Lord. But internally the edge is gone. The passion has leaked out. And so what helps me? Well, first of all, I need to go back and recommit to those things that brings passion and faith. And the number one thing that I have to do is to seek Jesus. You know, I told the guys, we, we, we had an amazing climb. And I wish I could have about an hour just to share what God did. It's, it's amazing when, when um, you get ten guys together... And uh, they begin sharing and sharing scripture and these big tough guys shedding tears. And, and one of my first questions, and of course, I don't necessarily tell them when we go on this. So those of you that went on this climb, just plug your ears. But this is kind of like a mentorship. It's discipleship. It's not just to climb a mountain. It's not about the summit. It's about the Savior. But anyway, it's amazing what happens. And I was just sharing, opening my heart to the guys on the way back. And I said, guys, here's what I've taken away from the mountains. Uh, I said a lot of times after a conference we go back and we say I'm going to do more for God I'm going to do all of this more, more, more I said here's what I believe God has wanted me to do 
I believe God is telling me to do less. And then I just told the guys, I said, here's what I want to do. I want to spend more time at the feet of Jesus in intimacy with Him. Not doing more stuff. And God help me to do the ministry that I need to do in this church. But I believe God has called me to do less. To spend more time with Jesus. And when I find myself losing that spiritual edge, I need to slow down. I need to call a time out. I need to say no to some invitations and I need to get alone and seek Jesus. I need to find Him in prayer and through Scripture, not just go through the routine. And then as a secondary means that sometimes helps is I, I try to get away from the stress of everyday ministry and go on a retreat or to a conference or something. And that, that's why I think that the men's encounter movement has been so effective for many of you men. You get away for a whole week and you forget about those things that dominate your thinking and and that's why I love going to the Catalyst Conference. And for me, it's probably one of the best places I can go to recover my edge. And, but, but I want to just give a note here. If you rely strictly on the Catalyst Conference or the men's encounter, women's encounter, whatever, whatever, if you rely on that to just pump you up spiritually all the time, something is wrong. That means you're not abiding in Christ. And I'm afraid that sometimes we rely on church services or conferences and you know, we've got to go to get pumped up. We've got to go to get filled up. And yes, God uses those things, but there's nothing like getting alone with Jesus. Not doing more, but doing less. And just sitting at the feet of Jesus and learning and just being there in intimacy. It also helps me to get out of the country on a mission trip. Some of you, as I said a few weeks ago, you need to get out of Cedar County. You need to get a life. <laughs> and you need to see how people live outside of this area. And... and um, go on a missions trip as I'm going to do, go to Africa here in a week and a half. And, you know, when I get away from just the pressures of sermon prep, and even though when I go to Africa, I'm going to have to do a leadership, some leadership sessions there. And so, yes, there's that pressure, but it's, it's different. But when I get away from the daily burdens of the church and, and God uses the different setting there to kind of uh, to, to rattle me and, and shake my settled and, and comfortable soul and and I see people who have basically nothing compared to what I have, but they have a fire and a zeal for God, and it makes my heart yearn for Him. And again, God uses it to rattle my soul. And, and through those times, it seems that God brings the edge within reaching distance, and I'm able to just grab it back. And I tell you, there's a difference in my life when I have a spiritual edge. My study of the Word is fresh. My prayer time has passion. And when I preach, no, I don't always hit a home run, but the message becomes an overflow of the passion that I have for Jesus Christ. And I don't know how this will all apply to you, but God, God wants to help you to get back what you didn't mean to lose. The book of Joel says that He will help restore the years that the locust has eaten. And then there's a really cool verse. I just discovered this. I don't know. I've read the Bible many times, but... But for some reason, it never has hit me. But Proverbs chapter 6, verse 31, it says that when the enemy steals something, he's got to pay it back seven times. And, and so again, uh, Pastor Mark Sorbrook, I'm probably bending the, uh, the context here a little bit. But, but some of you may feel like you've been robbed by the enemy and he's sapped your spiritual fervor. Guess what? You tell him you thought I was on fire for God back then. But with God's help, I'm coming back seven times hotter. 
because our God specializes in bringing back what you didn't mean to lose. Let me close with this. One of the miracles that Elisha performed, and we may or may not study this in this series, but it's when he healed Naaman, Captain Naaman, who was sick of leprosy and Leprosy's always looked at, been looked at as a type of sin. But anyway, the Bible says that Elisha told Naaman, go dip in the river seven times. And it was a dirty river and he didn't want to do it. But, you know, Dan once and no healing twice and three times. And, but after seven times, uh, his skin was totally restored. What's interesting to me is, and if I do... If I do preach on this miracle, then I'm kind of shoot, shooting my wad here. But uh, uh, the Hebrew word that's used for the word restore, you know, his skin re- was restored, is the Hebrew word shub. And I'm not sure I'm not pronouncing that right. But shub literally means to be made better than new. So when, when Naaman went down seven times, the Bible says that his skin was restored better than new. I believe that God wants to shub some people. <laughs> what does that mean? Well, it means that marriages that are so messed up and so broken can become stronger than ever before. Shub. It means that your children that have strayed so far from God and are in, are in so much darkness right now can come back and find a relationship with Christ that is so full of light. Shub means that your depression can be driven back and you can be made better than new. Shub. So I don't know where you are. I don't know how much you're hurting or how far you've drifted. But don't forget the word shub. Made better than new. So this morning, if you've lost your spiritual edge, you can get it back to where it's better than new. Restored seven times. And, and I believe what has happened already is, is God has thrown the stick into the water. <laughs> and I believe that edge is floating there and you just need to grab it. And so this morning I pray in the name of Jesus that if you have lost something spiritually, your passion has leaked out that today it would be restored in the name of Jesus. Would you just stand, please? And I know we're we're people that sometimes a bit prideful. But maybe there's some people here today that would say, yes, there's a specific area of my life that the edge is gone. And I'm going to reach into the water today and grab it back. If some of you would like to come just in transparency, you know, I open my heart to you. There's probably nothing more embarrassing than for a pastor to admit, you know, he's lost his edge. But if there's somebody here that wants to come and just kneel here and say, God, I'm going to reach into the water and grab the edge back. I just want to invite you to come right now. Let's not be too prideful to allow God to do a work. I don't care whether you're a leader or a Sunday school teacher. This, This to me doesn't shake my confidence in you. In fact, probably most of us you know, you probably know when I've lost my edge, and many times I know when I've lost your edge, when you've lost your edge. But you want to come and just see God restore that edge. Remember, 
The stick is in the water. The edge is floating. He just says, reach out and take it. Take it. Anybody else want to come? I believe God's doing the work. Let's just say, God, restore. Shuba made better than news. There's somebody else. Just, just allow God to do something amazing today. Just, you know, as you're obeying, just come on up. And if you want to just come up to the front row and stand, whatever. And I'm not trying to take away whatever God has given you. You know, if you've got a sharp edge, don't let Satan steal it away. And don't let the preacher make you think that you don't have it. If you have it, I celebrate with you. But if that edge has gotten a little bit dull, this is your time to just reach into the water and take it back. Well, Father, I want to just thank you for this this story. It's an account, Lord. It's not just a fairy tale, but Father, it's truth that shows that you care about the little things in life. And you especially care when we've lost our edge. Father, I pray that today, through your grace and mercy, that we would be able to reach into the water and get it back. Lord, for those that have lost their spiritual edge when it comes to prayer, that this week they would have passion for prayer. God, when for those who have lost their passion for reading your word where they read your word is just dead i pray that this week it would become alive and made better than new oh god i pray for those that maybe used to serve in ministry but life caught up with them and they've gotten out of it i pray that god they would just have a passion to come back and use their gifts for you lord i believe there's some people here that they used to tithe but they got behind on their bills and they've never really gotten back up and caught up and Lord I don't know how that works I don't know how to sort through all of that I know financial troubles are real but Lord I pray that you would just help them to be obedient to your word in this area Father I pray that we would not go through the motions God forbid that today tomorrow and the days to come that we would just go through the motions of Christianity but I pray God that there would be that intimacy, that passion. And Father, I pray that you would do something that we cannot do. And Lord, we've talked about, we, we can't make the axe head float, but you can, but we can lift it out of the water. Lord, I pray that today we would take back what we didn't mean to lose. We can be restored, Lord. I pray restored seven times greater. And Lord, for these who have come here this morning, I pray that you would do a work in their hearts and their lives. I pray, God, that something would happen internally to where when they leave here, they would just feel the joy of the Lord and, and that they would be restored, that it would not be just an emotional disturbance. But, Father, it would be so much more than that. It would be truly a work of God to where the passion is back, the fervor is back, the intimacy is back. Father, I just pray right now that you would do a work. Lord, I pray your favor upon this people. Lord, let us be uh, a church that is on fire for God. Lord, we pray this in your name. Heads bowed, eyes closed. Is there anybody that would say, Pastor, would you pray for me? I need help recovering the edge. And just pray for me. Is there somebody that would lift a hand? Thank you. I see your hand. Anybody else? I see your hand. Thank you for your honesty. Anybody else? I see your hand and your hand. 
Lord, I just say a prayer for those that were transparent. Continue to work in our hearts and lives. I pray this in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And all of God's people said, Amen and Amen. Before you go, you know what? If you feel like that uh, you can't get over the hump here, that you can't get the iron out of the water, you can't get the age back, could, could I encourage you, call some people this week, get together for a prayer meeting. You know, we as a staff would love to do it, but we don't believe that the sun rises or sets on us as a staff. And there are other godly people in this church. It's not centered around us. But call somebody and get together and, and pray together, read the Word together, study together. And I think that you will see that God will begin to do a work in your life. You guys okay? Ready to go face the week? An edge that's sharp again. Thank you for your amazing attention. You're dismissed. You've been listening to the Sunday morning message broadcast from Church of God Holiness in El Dorado Springs. Our messages are archived at www.eldochurch.com or to order compact discs or DVD videos of the messages, call the church at 417-876-2200. Thank you for listening.